That's what they've done. That's Conamigo's other value proposition. You can forget using a zillion AI tools. Well, hey now, I only pay for two. Right. Me too, now. <laughs> three now, actually. I, oh, I saw, three. I, now I we're paid for three. I went to Claude. I paid for Claude last night. Oh, you did? Yeah, I decided well, to. Now you're on the four, then. What's the fourth? Oh, I thought maybe you had mid-journey. Oh, yeah, I do. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's I pay for mid-journey. Chat for Conmigo mid-journey. It's like streaming services. It all started with Netflix. It's like, ah, this is great. I, I cut the cable. Now I only have Netflix. Now I got six of them. I'm John Nash here with Jason Johnston. Hey, John. Hey, everyone. And this is Online Learning in the Second Half, the online learning podcast. Yeah, we are doing this podcast to let you in on a conversation we've been having for the last two and a half years about online education. Look, online learning's had its chance to be great, and much of it is, but there's still some that isn't. And how are we going to get to the next stage? That is a great question. How about we do a podcast and talk about it? That's perfect. What do you want to talk about today? I would love to talk about Back to School Part 2. It sounds a little bit like an 80s comedy movie or something. Back to School Part 2. That's right. Except Rodney Dangerfield's not in it. <laughs> I'm glad you got the reference exactly. Oh, no uh, no respect here when it comes to uh, Rodney whatsoever. Dangerfield. But yeah, let's talk about uh, Back to School Part 2. I wanted to throw out one thing to you here. So I asked the chat GPT to write a letter to teachers for this fall. What advice, ChatGPT, would you give to teachers this fall as they they enter the new school year? And so I wanted to read this letter from ChatGPT. Okay. And wanted to get you to respond from a professor teacher angle to see what you what you think of this. So here it is. I don't know what's a ChatGPT voice. I'll just use my normal voice. It's I think it might you. be too you much. You are Chad GPT, Jason. But it feels sincere, so I'll use a sure. sincere voice. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah. Dear teacher, I hope this message finds you well. As an AI language model, I want to share three ways in which I can contribute to your classroom experience. Firstly, I can help you create engaging lesson plans, offering diverse content ideas and activities tailored to your students' needs and learning styles. Secondly. I can assist in generating interactive assignments and assessments, fostering a dynamic learning environment that encourages student participation. Lastly, I can provide additional explanations and resources to support struggling students and enhance their understanding of challenging concepts. To make the most of our collaboration, I suggest utilizing me as a versatile tool for creativity, interactivity, and personalized student support. Sincerely, ChatGPT. I think that's I think that's pretty good. It was and I how was it that ChatGPT was so scoped and succinct in these things? Your prompt. Yeah, that's a good question. I it wasn't a complex prompt by any means. I did ask it for three things, and I asked it to be encouraging and to be sincere. There you go. I think it's a I think it's a fair introduction to teachers who may not already be 
thinking of using it in their daily work. I mm -hmm. think those three things, lesson plans, generating interactive assignments and assessments, and helping to think through explanations and resources of complex topics. The response, the letter says that you can help support struggling students. And I've done some work with Amanda Bickerstaff and a webinar we did over the summer on differentiation of lessons for students in schools and how ChatGPT can do that with mixing some design thinking style prompts into that. So I think that these are good. And I think we know that fewer teachers than we think have really played with ChatGPT or even used it. They're aware of it, but is it part of their daily work? Probably not by the majority. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I thought it was fairly impressive. Now, of course, it's generative. I think that it's also been, ChatGPT, I think it's been reading the same things we've been reading, probably. But maybe not. I guess this is based on 2021 and before, because it's Chat4. So perhaps it's really ChatGPT's own ideas about the fall. Let me ask you this about this letter to the teacher, Jason. Is it 100% true? Yeah, that is the one thing that we still know about chat GPT is that it can be confidently wrong. And while this is more a matter of opinion, so it's not necessarily stating any kind of factual kind of things. However, I wince a little bit when when one mentions learning styles without any context around that, just because more modern approaches, not that there aren't different kinds of learners, but Sometimes that prompts this kind of idea that these kind of specific learning styles and a student is going to slot into each one of those learning styles is still a thing. Did that I read recently somewhere that learning styles have been debunked? Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago now, actually. Yes. Not that students, people have different ways of learning, but you can't say, oh, this student is a kinesthetic learner, so right. they have to have... Uh, tactile things to work and manipulate all the time. I'm a vi I'm a visual learner, I'm so I can't learner. listen to I can't listen to anything you say. Because uh, I'm this a podcast learner. is crap because I'm a visual <laughs> learner. So that's uh, in terms of untrue. I would say that's the only thing in there that kind of just grabbed me a little bit of a red flag. And then beyond the interview, feels kind of like we know that is it's a predictive language model. And, but we're predictive language models sometimes. Thank if people you. ask us, yeah. if people ask us an opinion about something, it's very easy for us to drop into teacher speak yeah. and generating interactive assignments and assessments sounds like teacher speak a little bit. It's very easy to talk about, oh yeah, so I'm highly into engaging students in my class. It's Whereas when we start to unpack that, Let's talk about really what that means, engaging students. I'm very dynamic in my 50-minute lecture. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's my engagement, my student engagement. So maybe not. I utilize constructivist approaches. Yes. So generating interactive assignments and assessments felt a little, it feels a little teacher-speak. And I would want to unpack that a little bit before before just jumping on board with what an interactive assignment particularly means. By default, I think a, an assignment is interactive because it forces a student to actually hand something in. So they have now interacted 
they've now read something and they've responded to it. What do you mean by interactive assignment? A writing prompt is an interactive assignment. Yes, absolutely. What do you mean by actually interactive? You know, is there a back and forth going on here? Are they interacting with other students? Are they interacting with the teacher and the content or just the content? Yeah, nice analysis. I think that the letter is nice, but I think it also risks oversimplifying what can get done. And in, for instance, yeah, if it, oh, it can assist me in generating interactive assignments and assessments. Interesting. I will put that in as my prompt. Please generate interactive assignments and assessments right. for my fourth grade math class. That prompt may generate a lot of stuff and it's semi-interesting, but it's a little broad and again, lacks context. Yes. I think. And we may fall into that pit of algorithmic bias, whereas there are a lot of teachers out there that maybe think something is interactive that's not really the next level interactive. And so it just produces this thing that a lot of teachers already think out there about what interaction looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I wonder if that answer in generating interactive assignments and assessments is that predictive nature of ChatGBT where it sounds good. It's, oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And then it's what is it? what is it actually talking about? Interactive assignments? Like, I could imagine some things, but I don't think it knows, really. It's just putting something together that sounds should be the top of the list. Right. Does, yeah. Because a user could say, please assist me in generating interactive assignments and assessments for X. Is that sufficient? To, so in what role should that kind of prompt be used? For me, I would think it would, I would advise teachers to use it as a starting point for a brainstorm based upon their own expertise. Because what we know about using these models is that they are most beneficial when they are used in the context of something you already know a lot about. Yeah. So if I was maybe a new teacher or, yeah, I wouldn't want to rely on just what it spit out the first time there. I'd want to iterate, talk to it about what it meant or give it more refined information. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. a recent tweet that I archived from Moloch talks about, I think it's quite clever actually, treating chat GPT and other models for practical purposes as though it were a very smart, somewhat naive, slightly alien, well-educated gig worker. And so you give it this context so that you have a conversation with it about what you want to achieve, not a one-shot hey, generate some interactive assignments and assessments for me for a research class. or a mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I saw somebody post just a little bit of negative pushback about Ethan, which is the first I had seen. Most of us have been praising his name for the last yeah. six months. What did you see? And it was in the space of, they thought that he overemphasized the creative abilities of ChatGPT. And the person that was responding had posted something because OAI has, po has posted a suggestion page for educators. And it included some very long prompts from Ethan Mollock. But your example about it being a sophisticated gig worker does not assume that this is a creative worker for us. It assumes that it is more like an assistant yes, or a TA or a somebody who's going to only going to be able to move forward with some good directions. And a little bit of maybe defense of Moloch, I feel like that his 
his examples kind of point more towards that, a lot of direction. Have you ever used this online service, Fiverr, where you, for an inexpensive fee, depending on the range of the task, you can hire a stranger to do some right, yeah. maybe creative work? Yeah. What kinds of things yeah. did you hire people on Fiverr to do? I did a, quite a while ago when it was first going. I was, I'm a very novice programmer. And I had some PHP that I needed somebody to help me with on a website. And yeah, and they were able to achieve the goals I was looking for, essentially, in terms of this one page I just couldn't get to fit correctly. And just to be able to say, hey, can you fix this for me? And without having to hire a full programmer for my website. When you went to go get that work done, think back to how you had to prompt that. Right. Yeah. So how was it a one shot, or did you have to be thoughtful about what you wanted to have them do? I seem to recall that I treated it like a one shot, but I was thankful that with the, at least with the person that I was working with, they didn't just do it. They asked good questions about what it is that I was really looking for, because I didn't quite, I didn't know, quite know. I think what I was asking for. I knew what I was asking for, but I didn't know the language that I needed to use. Yeah. I think that's where we're at. And so last time I went on Fiverr was a couple of years ago, but as an elective project before I went to a conference, I was the the head of a SIG, a special interest group, mm -hmm. to bring some fun posters for our membership to take home with them. And so I had some graphic designers on Fiverr design some posters that I could print on our 11 by 17 color printer and then take them to the conference. And that was a lot of, mm -hmm. but hey, yeah, I had to describe the tone that I wanted the messaging that was behind the theme of the conference. And you're right, it was a back and forth a little bit. Some of the offers amongst the workers on Fiverr were very clear about what kind of information they needed so that there wasn't a lot of back and forth because that can raise the price, for instance. If you have changes or you weren't clear in the way in which you asked for your product, they have to come, they make it. And then you look at it and you go, ah, oh, no good. So they'll even limit the number of revisions you get, which I think is an interesting thing with large language models, they're tireless and they'll redo the revisions forever. But it, to this idea of thinking about how to help our education brothers and sisters out there as they start to use this language, it's like thinking about how you task someone to do these things on Fiverr. You have to be really clear. Or if you have a teaching assistant or a speech writer or whomever, that's got to be explained if they've never really hung around you before or is yeah, kind of making sense across. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a joke among cr creatives right now that even with the AI coming on, they're like, we're going to be fine because the client still needs to explain what they want. Yes. And this is the, this is both the job of the creative, but also the great frustration sometimes of creatives is that the client often has a very difficult time explaining what it is exactly that they want. And so a good creative that knows how to work with clients, knows how to prompt, get the conversation going, to ask the good questions, to specify exactly what's going on, which is something we run into over and over again here as we're developing courses, to really get a clear idea of what it is the instructor is trying to accomplish, figure out that scope, and then try to move forward on whatever it is that, that we're trying to accomplish together. But if you do one shot, then I think you, you, the system will 
presume that whatever problem you have is the one that you must solve and needs to solve. Let me ask you this question then, and maybe this will get us back to what this directly what this podcast is about, which is how does that then relate to teachers approaching classes, say this fall for the first time in in full light of open AI, chat GPT, large language models? Instructors don't know what they don't know yet about these models. I've run across some very interesting and compelling prompts written by pedagogues that are very powerful at helping instructors think about whether their learning objectives are any good, or just even if they put in what they want to achieve in a course, it can take you through a very intelligent conversation to help you set up better learning intentions, high impact activities to hit those intentions. And I'm not sure that's really hit out there. That kind of sophistication exists and is in within reach, very easy reach to use. So I think that's one of the implications, I think. As we hit the fall, more and more instructors get exposed to the way in which you can create a lesson plan or do some explanations or give some resources. It can actually be a very helpful assistant in making much more active, human-centered activities that learners like and want to do that will help you hit your learning goals. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right in terms of they just don't know what they don't know. And I wonder if it is likened to our pedagogical approaches or our instructor approaches to any technologies on the first pass. You think about what we're talking about here, which is online learning. Our kind of first pass is, oh, look at how I can just stick a bunch of stuff up into the LMS. This is exciting. Next pass is let's get a little more organized and let's put it together in this kind of way. Third pass might be, okay, how do we really take this to the next level and make it interactive and make it human? And that might come through stripping down some things that might come through finding some specific things that are really working well and expanding them or scaffolding them or breaking them apart or figuring out a thread that kind of maybe can go through your whole course. So I feel like, I, I feel a little bit like that we're at the first pass right now for many people. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. And I think that all this, our conversation right now about instructors not knowing what they don't know, may be much ado about nothing because six months from now or a year from now, the models will be very different in terms of the way we interact with them or what capabilities they have. So I, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right. And so maybe we'll iterate on what you're suggesting is there'll be another first pass coming or the next generation of instructors that decide to go into this because they didn't take it up this year, they'll be engaging these models in a different way than we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about too, just even in terms of my own learning, and we've been talking about Ethan Mollick, and we'll share some links. Obviously, bo both of us follow a lot of his postings. They've got He's got some great videos. I don't know if you've taken a look at those vi videos that he, and I'm assuming as his wife, put out from the Wharton School, just to try to get people up and going for this fall. But he's six months down the road with his prompts. So he's trying to explain this to people. And so we're, it's like, my first attempts at AI art was make this. And that's the whole prompt. And now 
through a variety of means, I'm getting a lot more specific. I figured out what language it responds to and how it can do certain things. And the tool's gotten more sophisticated as well. And then there are other tools out there that actually help me with my prompt, get my prompt better when I go back to mid-journey to to create the art that I'm looking for or whatever. So I think that, yeah, I think in terms of this kind of first pass, that in six months is probably going to look really different for a lot of a lot of instructors. I don't know what sort of the short hit is on that, except that you're right. The prompts are you're learning over time how to make your prompts more sophisticated because you're happy to do that out of necessity. I, I take it because you're not satisfied with the quality of the output from the model, so you have to continue to have the continue to have a conversation with it, correct it, modify right. it, guide it push it just like you would a sophisticated semi-intelligent assistant who was yeah. a human yeah yeah and i wonder about how like this hattie bot now it does mean that you and i don't have to come up with a hattie bot somebody else has come up with a hattie bot really even if it's just a matter of putting the prompt or creating a, a some sort of a chat a pre-programmed chat guided guard railed chat bot for us to as a Hattie bot to jump into. And I think that we will, I think that we will find ourselves in some various places for putting in original kind of prompts and just that kind of open-ended kind of relationship. And then also in various levels of interaction with these bots that are, that have been highly tuned and programmed for us and for teachers that really don't, either have the time or interest to really get that deep into something just like we have templates already for for whatever it is that we're trying to do in canvas or in in with our syllabus or anything else yeah for a a couple of decades now teachers have been googling how to do stuff and it's less contextualized yeah that's more of a treasure hunt than it is a, a directive to develop new content but it's similar isn't it we're yeah. just going to be going out to look for stuff. Yeah. Jason, this was a great conversation across these two back to school episodes. A lot of changes in front of us. I'm making a lot of changes. And I think that the AI models are going to make a lot of changes. Yeah. And the teachers be looking for your letter. Sincerely, ChatGPT coming into your mailbox soon. I'm sure Chat will be writing a letter uh, with uh, some a little bit of guidance. For this fall so be looking for that we'll put the that letter we also had chat write a bunch of other letters to various people in education and so we'll stick those in the notes and a link out to them so people can read them and respond if they would like to check those out but yeah and check out onlinelearningpodcast.com you can see the notes from this podcast and links out to various things what i'm concluding here is that a lot has changed over the summer particularly with generative AI, but a lot has not changed. And in a good way, teachers are still going to have to bring their best game to the classroom. And we need great teaching. We need great instructional design. And that will trump AI every time. And I'm looking forward to figuring out how to be a better teacher in the face of AI. Mm. uh, And also think about how AI can support us in doing that work. Yeah, and as we think about it, really any new technology that comes along, uh, so much of it is 
is being reflective about it, having a plan, trying things out, making mistakes, getting feedback from your students, all the things. It's really no different this fall, except that we've got large language models trained on trillions of pieces of information backing us up and pushing us forward. That's right. Otherwise, nothing's changed. Otherwise, that is, it's business as usual in this back-to-school time, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And join us at our LinkedIn community as well. Just look us up, Online Learning Podcast, and feel free to drop us a message on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. And good luck out there to all the teachers. Go get them. Yeah, go get them.